Well, life is a roller coaster, isn't it? There are the, uh, the good times, and we love it when there are good times. You know that uh, when life is good, it can be very good, can't it? And, you know, we can be enjoying life, we can be enjoying all the good things in life. But then you also get the not-so-good times, the times when things are, are not so good, things, when times are bad, maybe when there's pain or, or hurting. And I think those are, are real times when I think it tests, tests a real character, tests your character, doesn't it, when you go through those times. You know, especially, I think, as Christians. Because you know, maybe you're tempted to think, well, you know, aren't we supposed to have a God of love who loves us and cares for us? Now, isn't God supposed to care for me and guide me? Then why do these things happen? That can be something that we really feel when we go through those kind of times. And that's why we need the Psalms. Because the Psalms give us words, help us to, to know how we should relate to God, especially at those kind of times. And, you know, those kind of times come around more often than you think, don't they? I was really struck when um, we started the Thought for the Week series um, a couple of years ago uh, online. We, we started, uh, I was doing it and went, went through the Psalms from the beginning. After you get through the first two, from Psalm 3 onwards, for quite a while, it's all Psalms of anguish, you know, crying out to God. And I think it should make us think about what's normal in the Christian life. Because anyone who's promised you that the Christian life is a bed of roses is not promised you something right. It's not like that at all, is it? And if you've been Christian for more than a, a, a little while, you know that to be true. So what do we do? And that's what Psalm 23 helps us with. Now, as I said, Psalm 23 is a very, very well-known psalm. I'm sure many of you will know this even off by heart. Um, it's on even on TV programmes. You know, the Vicar of Dibley has Psalm 23 as the... Um, it's a lovely arrangement by Howard Goodall. But it's, you know, it's so familiar. The words are just there, aren't they? You know, it's in the culture. But I hope, as I've been you know, reflecting on this over the last couple of weeks, I've felt it's sort of jumped out at me kind of fresh. And I hope that it does for you as well, that these words kind of strike us in a new way. So let's dive into it then. So in these first three verses of Psalm 23, David starts by reminding himself of what is true of what is true regardless of his circumstances. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's just how it is. The Lord is my shepherd, regardless of whatever else may be happening in his life. Now, David himself was a shepherd. He was a shepherd before he, uh, he became king. He was called out by Samuel, of course. You can read about that elsewhere in the Bible. But David knew what it meant to be a shepherd. But perhaps we are not so familiar uh, with what being a shepherd actually means. You know, we've just um, come back from holiday. We spent, um, we spent a bit of time up in North Yorkshire and, um, you know, that uh, down the road from where we were staying, there were loads of sheep, you know, in a field that saw sheep all over the place. We don't have sheep so much down in this, this part of the world, do we? But shepherding is not really part of the day-to-day -day of life for most of us, I expect. So what does it look like? This is what David says. It means for God to be a shepherd to him. He says, I lack nothing. God provides for all of his needs. I lack nothing. And even, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
he says that it's, it's a picture of abundance, isn't it? It's a picture of actually more than what you need. It's a picture of, you know, not just, not just any old pasture, not just, you know, a dry crust of bread or something, but green pastures, quiet waters, where you want to be. He leads me. He says, he refreshes my soul. I think we've learned something about refreshment uh, over the last uh, few weeks, certainly in the hot weather. You know, when it's um, gone past 35 degrees or however hot it's been, you know, it's, um, you, you, you learn anew what it is to thirst, don't you? You know, and uh, for me, I don't, I don't cope very well in the heat. I don't know about you. And I just find I need a drink of cold water, maybe even if you're feeling an indulgent in an ice cream, you know, just to, just to help refresh you, just to get you through. And that's what David says God does to us. You know, we need that spiritual refreshment. God refreshes us. He refreshes our souls spiritually. And he says, uh, he guides me along the right paths. He guides me along the right paths. Sheep, they need guiding, don't they? I don't know if you, um, you, you've experienced this. But um, when we went to, um, uh, again on holiday a few days ago, we went to an animal sanctuary. And um, there was a, it was for shire horses, but there were all sorts of animals in there. And um, there was a, a sheep in a pen, and I read the, the label, it said this sheep had been found miles away from the nearest, you know, flocks of, of sheep. No idea how it had got there. It had just wandered miles and miles away. And that's what sheep do, isn't it? They wander, they stray, they, this one was in a pretty bad way when it came in, that's why it was in the sanctuary. That's what sheep do. They wander, they stray, they need guiding, they need a shepherd to guide them. And that I think is very true of us, that God leads us on the right paths. Not just in the, you know, the paths of, oh, should I choose this job or that job? But also, and particularly, you know, in, in the moral ways, in the paths of righteousness. So the picture that we get is a picture of God's comprehensive uh, provision and protection and guidance at all times. That's the picture. And the wonderful thing is just kind of tucked away there at the end. And you may not, because we're so familiar with this psalm, we don't notice it. But it just says there, the end of verse 3, for his name's sake. Just a few words which just mean so much. Now, God's name is his reputation. God's name is his reputation, well, we, we still use the word like that sometimes, don't we? Someone's name being their reputation. And what David is saying here is that God has promised to be all this to us, to shepherd us. And he staked his reputation on it. He staked his reputation on it. That's an amazing thing to dwell on. Now, maybe you might like to have a, a think about that later. But we'll move on for now. So... This really then, these next two verses, this is the heart of the psalm. This is the place of the valley. And it's only struck me as I've been thinking about the psalm more recently. This is why the psalm was written in the first place. It wasn't written when David was going through a lovely happy time. But you notice there he says, uh, verse 4, Even though I walk through the darkest valley. That's what is happening when he's writing the psalm. He's walking through a dark valley. Now, unlike some of the psalms, we don't know what the, 
the precise details of David's circumstances were when he wrote this. We don't know what was happening to him. We know if you look through um, the history of David, he was often being pursued by his enemies, by Saul, for example, or by Absalom. So he knew what it meant to have his life in danger. But I think now we know what it's like to walk through a valley, don't we? Even though our circumstances may look different, um, you know, perhaps losing a job, for example, can feel like a valley. Or perhaps an illness can feel like a valley. Or maybe a breakup. Or maybe financial insecurity. Now, all of those things can, can feel like a valley. And we know what it is, and we know what it feels like to walk through one of them. And that's the kind of experience that David was having. But he says, even though I walk through this time, he says, I'll fear no evil. I'll fear no evil. Because, you know, when you're walking through one of those times, it's easy to fear, isn't it? In fact, I think fear is the biggest problem with those times. I don't know about you, for me, it tends to be fearing the worst. I tend to just imagine what the worst thing is that could possibly happen. Um, you know, maybe you might think, oh, will I ever get a job again? Or, you know, will this illness get, get better? Will the treatment work? Will it just develop into something worse? Will I ever find love again? Or will I ever be able to pay my bills? Or something like that. You just think, will this darkness go on forever? That's what we tend to think in those times, isn't it? But David says, I will not fear. Why? He says, because you are with me. He says everything that he said in in the first three verses, all of that about being the shepherd, still true. Still true, even in the times of the valley, even in the, the darkest valley. Everything about being a shepherd still applies. And we know that, and he knows that, because he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, a rod and a staff, as um, Pam was just saying beforehand, they, are, they were used by shepherds. In fact, I think they still are um, in some parts of the world to guide the sheep. You know, you, you have the, the sort of the hook thing, I don't know what you call it, but, you know, to, to bring the sheep if they were going in the wrong direction and have a staff to kind of, if they were going to jump off a cliff or something, you could nudge them back in the right ways and you would guide the sheep. And what David is saying is that even in the valley, when I can't see the way ahead, I may not even be able to see the light at the top of the valley at this point, but even then I can still feel the fact that the shepherd is with me. I can still feel his presence with me, even in the darkness. And maybe you've had this experience. You know, maybe you've been going through a a dark valley at times and you just have a little sign that God's with you. You know, maybe you have an an answer to prayer or a, a prayer that's answered in an unexpected way. Or maybe, you know, you just, you open the Bible and, you know, I hope you read the Bible day by day anyway. But you open the Bible and and it just speaks to you into your situation in a way that you could never have imagined. Or maybe a friend just says just the right thing at the right time. Or maybe you you come to church and you hear a, a sermon, you sing a song, which just speaks to you. It's just exactly what you needed to hear. It's happened to me 
several occasions. And what we need to do when we're going through the valley is to watch out for those signs. Watch out for those times. Because God is trying to show us that he's still with us and hasn't abandoned us. He's still the shepherd, even in the middle of those times. But there's good news. He doesn't just finish there. God doesn't just lead us through the valley. But David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's saying that the valley is there for a reason. And it's there to to prepare a table, to prepare a feast, to prepare good things. That's what God has in mind. He's got something better. He's maybe leading through to a better pasture, a greener pasture, somewhere which is a quieter water or whatever it might be. That there is some blessing that God is, is leading us through the valley for. And that has been my experience uh, in life and, and uh, the experience of countless Christians through generations. Knowing that the times of darkness, the times of trial and testing have been times of real spiritual growth of times of learning to walk with the Lord more closely, to depend on him more in prayer, to to stay closer to his word. That's what God is teaching us in those times. And we come out the other side with a stronger faith, a deeper walk with the Lord, more joy in him. And it, it is a joy. As David goes on to say, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. There is a, it's against this abundance. It's a rich blessing. A rich blessing which couldn't be had any other way, but only that way. And it just makes me think, I mean, again, I don't know if this is, this is your experience of life, but when, for me, when I encounter adversity, however it may be, when I encounter a valley of some description, my first reaction is not usually one of faith, to be honest. It's not usually one of thinking, oh, well, thank God that he's my shepherd. But usually I turn into Kevin the teenager, you know, from Harry Infield, and I think, oh God, that is so unfair. You know, maybe you do too, something like that. Throw your toys out of the pram and just think, why, why, why should I go through this? But actually, you know, the, 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 the attitude that's being, being encouraged in us, the attitude that we, that we need to cultivate, and that Psalms, like Psalm 23, will help us to cultivate... You can read about that, for example, Psalm 112, another, another psalm, uh, verses 6 to 8. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. That's the attitude which the Psalms are trying to to build in us, of being steadfast, of trusting in God, trusting that even in adversity, God is still working and that we need to trust him and look to him through this. That's what what David was learning and that's what we should be learning as well. So verse 6 of of the Psalm, Psalm 23, is the summary really. He's saying, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. The, uh, the word there, follow, can also be translated to pursue. And like I said at the start, David knew 
what it was like to be pursued by his enemies. He was pursued at various times by Saul, by Absalom and by others. He knew what it was like to be pursued. And uh, Alec Mateer, who's a biblical um, scholar, he's he's died now, but he um, he wrote uh, a wonderful book about the Psalms. And uh, this is what he had to say about this. If these verses recall the days of flight from Absalom, then the choice of verb to pursue is very telling. Whatever danger pursues, there is always a greater pursuit afoot. Yahweh's goodness and committed love. You think about that, that whatever might be pursuing us, whatever darkness might be on our foot, or on, our, on our tail, there's a greater something pursuing us. And that is God's committed love and faithfulness, which always follows us. Isn't that a wonderful thought? And this pursuit will last forever. He said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And David says, one day there will be no more valleys. There'll be no more shadow of death, no more dark valleys. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The Bible says there'll be a new creation. There will be a new, wonderful creation. Everything will be made new. Those who believe and love and trust in the Lord Jesus will be welcomed with open arms into that new creation where the world will be as it was always intended to be. Well, there'll be no more sin, no more death, no more of the curse of the fall. It will be made new and it will be wonderful and it will be complete. And that is the world that we are heading for. The question that we thought about earlier, you know, will this darkness ever end? Well, we know that darkness comes and goes in this life. But we know that one day for all of us, those who believe and trust in the Lord, the darkness will come to an end one day. That we will be with him and the, and the world will be all light. No darkness at all. Because we'll see him face to face. Now, just as we, as we finish, I can't preach on uh, the Good Shepherd on Psalm 23 without reading what Jesus had to say. Because Jesus picks up on this on this kind of language. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Let me read you what Jesus had to say. This is from uh, John chapter 10, starting from verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So when you are tempted to think, is God a good shepherd? Is he leading me in a good way? All we need to do is to look at the cross. Is to look at the the fact that Jesus is the good shepherd, the one who would lay his life down even for us to be our shepherd. That's what it means to be a good shepherd. 
to lay your life down to protect and care for the flock. And that is exactly what Jesus did for us. He laid his life down. He is the good shepherd. So what we need to do, whether we're going through um, a mountain or a valley at the moment, or whether it's a mix, very often it is a mix, isn't it, in life? There are good things and there are bad things happening in our lives at the same time. But whether we're going through good times or bad times, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the good shepherd, because he is the one who cares for us. He's the good shepherd. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will protect us and keep us safe and lead us through to that new creation where there will be no more valleys. Let's take a moment to pray. And I'm going to use the words here of a prayer from a book called The Valley of Vision. And this prayer is actually called The Valley of Vision. It's written by the person who edited the book. But it's just saying that it's often from the valleys, from the deepest wells, that we see the stars the most brightly. And asking that God would help us to, to know that to be the case in our lives, whatever may be happening. So let's pray together. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, thou hast brought me to the valley of vision, where I live in the depths, but see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from the deepest wells, and the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Let me find thy light in my darkness thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. Amen.